Dearly beloved, we are gathered here to remember the life of one-eyed Uncle Ivan. He touched many of souls and many of children. But I digress. Oh, thank God I lived in a different state and it was related by adoption. Hey, Josh, you know what time it is? Oh, hey, Phil, what time is it? Sir, sir, this is a funeral. Please show respect for the dead. Hey, I love Ivan Splooge. It's hooker time. Oh, God, the hooker time thing again. Well, you know what? Before we delve into that time once again, I might as well just say this randomly since I'm at my uncle's funeral. If you want to contact us at Nowhere California, hit us up on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Nowhere California, or hit us up on our Twitter at Nowhere underscore podcast. And if you want to hit us up with an email that's kind of quicker than a smoke signal, hit us up at Nowhere underscore California at yahoo.com. And hold on a second. We got one more episode before our one-year anniversary. Be excited. All right. Hook it time. You know what time it is? It's hook it time. This is Phil. And this is Josh. And I'm Doug. And this is Monique. And welcome to Nowhere, California. So if you happen to recognize one of the voices, it's our friend uh, Doug from, I think it was episode four? Four or five. Right yeah. Right yep. One of those where we talked about our celebrity run-ins. And also, too, if the voice sounds familiar, you're usually outside this bedroom window. I appreciate that. I hope it, you like the show. And <laughs> then also, too, you might recognize the other voice of Monique. Hi. Yeah. And also, too, Monique has the special recognition of what what did she do Bill? Uh, she was our 50th like on Facebook. So she's enjoying a fabulous Dory prize. What do you think? Well, money would have been better, but I don't mind the fact that you're mowing my lawn later. Oh, anytime. Oh, yeah, I forgot to tell Bill about that. Say what? Yeah, you're gonna. Do, you got some landscaping to do with uh, several people. So. You know, you know, I hate landscaping. That's just not right. Well, hey, Stalker, you're in for a really good show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, with that out of the way, uh, we might as well get into the main body of the oh, episode. Hold on, hold on. Before we do that, I gotta, I gotta. Why I have you, and I'm actually with you now. I want to talk to you about this in person. And we have a mic in front of our faces. And we have a mic in front of our faces. Um, you threw me off with this text message a little while back, and I would want to discuss it with you. I, I know your favorite movie, like the back of my hand, and I will always know because it's who I've known you for. But you told me that changed. Yeah, it has. It um, changed. What 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 movie are we talking about now? Well, originally my all-time favorite movie has been The Crow. It's yep. It, anybody that has known me, that's been it. The Crow starring Brendan Lee. But the Crow's not your favorite movie anymore. Nope. Um, it's kind of changed. Yeah. <laughs> well, I got this new movie, I've seen it like a couple times, but then I picked up the Criterion edition of the movie and learning the backstories and everything on it, I freaking fell in love with this movie. And that movie is The Great Dictator starring Charlie Chaplin. Oh, okay. And that's basically the reason we're doing this episode is because, hey, I liked it. And also, too, about this time last year, I think, uh, one year ago, we did our first episode, which happened to be a movie review, so... Might as well keep on with the tradition. Absolutely. There we go. That sounds great. Yeah. Okay. So, so I give you a quick rundown of what the Great Dictator is. I drummed up some uh, some little facts here on IMDb for a good old Joshy boy to feel good about his choice here. (laughs) Uh, The movie was named in 1940, and it was written by, directed by, starred, produced, edited, financed as much as many possibly things as you could think of, short from craft service. 
by Charlie Chaplin himself. He was his own independent. I think he made breakfast one day. Too. He probably did. Go <laughs> <laughs> flattas and whatnot. Um, it quickly became a lot of people's movies off the start and has become Josh Harry movie. It's up there in my top five. I know Monique. You oh, really I really enjoyed it. It was Still? actually the first Charlie oh, Chaplin yeah. movie I've ever seen. My, 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 my one disappointment is that I did not see the movie sooner. Yes. I'm really, yeah. I, For a lot of yeah. people, though, Monique, uh, this is usually their first Charlie Chaplin movie, too. Yeah. It seems that way. I mean, anytime I've ever seen Charlie Chaplin's um, photos or, or, for instance, the wax statues and stuff like that, mm-hmm. it's always from the great dictator that they, they use his liking, yeah. his yeah. likeness. So... Uh, the Criterion Edition that we referred to a second ago actually had this really great documentary that Josh got us to watch. Yeah. And man, if I didn't know any better, like he was a pioneer in this whole entire thing. And it was amazing how close him and Hitler were while they were two completely different people, how much this shows they were the same. Yeah. So actually, we kind of wanted to discuss that. So yeah. You should be careful in saying they were the same. Okay, so one, did, <laughs> so one killed 55 million people and one just made 55 million people laugh. Yeah. Okay. And that's sentimental and way to defer the whole yeah. thing. But okay. also too, like we just went through with our quick mini reviews of it. There's honestly nothing that you can really say this movie sucks about. There's no, no. aspect where this movie uh-huh. dips in the watchability of it. Yeah. That's Absolutely. A word. I, mean, I, I would probably pick it up and put it in any time. Yeah. When we were watching it, uh, you, me, and Doug, or Josh, Doug, and I were watching it together. Um, ended up getting tired because we were watching it late at night and you told me there was an hour left yeah. and it felt like 20 minutes later that hour was over i mean the movie just it, it picks up and it moves so well and, mm-hmm. and the story just it just kind of grabs onto you and well that's the kind of key thing with the great dictator too the climax of the movie is kind of like throughout the movie the dialogue the language and everything even the flat-out gibberish mm-hmm. the cheese and crackers and bananas oh yeah banana <laughs> it's total gibberish, but still, it's perfect. Oh, and baby talk has never interested me so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there was maybe one chunk of dialogue, one piece, the monologue that we'll basically discuss towards the end of this discussion because it deserves its own. It's going to go down in history as one of the greatest speeches that yeah. it ever made. I've already have. It's a YouTube sensation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's actually the greatest monologue I have ever heard in my life. Honestly, yeah. And it holds up today. Yeah, yeah. That it is something, I believe it is something that I think people need to look back and hear again because um, a lot of times people do lose hope and stuff like that. And I, um, it just it just opens up a whole new door. Well, I mean, in the way this country's going right now, it's almost, yeah. we're almost in the same world that these people were in. Not as bad mm. because of the times, but we Not need... Not by million people dying. Yeah. Mm. But we need we need a voice to come back like that and to wrangle the truth. The point of it is what he says exactly is that life goes on. People will rise above stuff. You know whether it's government or uh, a tyrant or stuff like that. People will go on and survive. They will rise above it. They will rise up. The night is darkest set before it's, or the, the night is darkest, darkest dawn. before the dawn. That's right. Exactly. That's and that is a universal uh, thing that I think everybody needs to know and hear about. Oh, yeah. Something I want to talk about was the production design. And that's, oh yeah. And I see. And that wasn't my focus in film school too much. I mean, I did study it and I like it and it's something I've done, but. This was built on the, um, the, the new, at that time it was the new United Artists lot building area. Right. And it was completely made from scratch, full size 
you know, full size ghetto with yeah. and everything. Yeah, look a lot like Warsaw. And mm -hmm. what, what, what is the building now that's there? The old United Arts building is now the Jim Hensick Company. It's on. Um, it's actually on. Is it? That's the Brea. It's, it's on, on the Brea. Brea and yeah, it's Corner Sunset and the Brea, about blocked down just past Cat Van D's tattoo studio. There's a big giant Kermit with a top hat. So <laughs> if you guys ever want to just kind of walk by and see? You know, this no, this is where they filmed Great Dictator. That's where a predominant amount of the Warsaw ghetto stuff was shot. And also, too, something that we learned during the documentary, too, after everything was said and done in the initial shooting, they had to go back and do reshoots. And like we said before, Charlie Chaplin financed this entire thing himself. He went to studios to get financing for it, but they didn't want to touch no it. No one's going to touch it. No. Because no. at the time, Hitler was stomping through Europe and doing all these things. Well, that and it seemed like the U.S., I mean, before he started the Holocaust and everything like that, the U.S. was kind of on board with his idea. Yeah, that's there the weird a, thing in the documentary. There a, yeah, there was a huge movement here that was like, oh, well, he helped fix their economy. He got everybody jobs and stuff like that. And since we were so desperate to do something like that, we started looking at the person who was accomplishing that in their own. He was a wolf since he closed. And then also, mm -hmm. too, at that time. He wasn't killing the Jews, but he was pissed off at him. So, unfortunately, during this documentary, we learned the early stages of anti-Semitism in the United States, and it was pretty fun. And how many people involved in just in Hollywood and America at the time were anti-Semitic? I, mm -hmm. I didn't know now, and I, I didn't know them, but now I know. Henry Ford was a huge racist anti-Semitic. <laughs> I, I am never buying a Ford or a Ford product car again. I did not know that. Taurus and shove it. Yeah. What I thought was pretty interesting in regards to Hitler and the way that, that he threw his massive tantrum was it was basically that. Mm -hmm. He was denied as an artist. He didn't you know, make it the way he wanted and because he had military training and he was a very good public speaker he got all of these people to believe in him and follow him. And then I don't remember the gentleman's name but the uh, Jewish gentleman who have the the symbol that then became oh, yeah. it, it, oh, right. during the documentary it's called the tramp and the dictator right and there's a section where it actually shows like the early stages of the swastika mm -hmm. and it's kind of chilling on that part but also like you mentioned too how Hitler was completely psychotic and everything and so ego driven there was another key point I know was one of your favorite scenes and you guys will probably agree too. Was the globe dance? No, oh God, that was it. great. Yeah, I loved it. And just showing how uh, Chaplin took it as Hitler's just feeling like he's God to the world, but also too Chaplin during the documentary shows the early stages of that whole bit where he's at home just playing with a globe and it's going for it. Globe. Yeah, mm -hmm. but it, that little chunk of home movie footage pales in comparison to the globe dance that's in the great dictator. Yeah, well, there was something they pointed out in the documentary that I don't, I mean, it it's still kind of processing in my head whether or not I think this is true. So don't take what I'm saying as stone cold truth of my opinion. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the dance, spoiler alert for those who haven't watched it, when he's doing the whole globe dance thing, the, the little globe explodes, you know, because mm -hmm. it's, it's a balloon. He's playing with it, it explodes. The look he has on his face and the way he kind of falls to his desk to me, that was him realizing that what he thinks he's got to the world, he's not. Right. He had that exactly. little moment of clarity of like, oh shit, 
I'm not. And I don't control it. Yeah. I, I caught the same thing there. You know, yeah. I just, there, there, there was a moment of clarity or just a realization. Another thing I want to bring up, and I mean, I don't know how much you guys really pay attention to it or what you guys caught from it, but the cinematography on this was... It was amazing. amazing for it its was, time. Yeah, definitely. And the thing is, is I mean, the the, the ghetto place and the, all the war scenes out in the beginning, those were all shot outside. Oh yeah. I mean, back then you didn't really. I mean, you had covered sets, but for the most part, we didn't have the same lane capability that we do now. That Carl Strauss, the cinematographer, really did a lot of his stuff based off natural sunlight. Mm -hmm. And what's hard to do there is to stop shadowing. Stop shadows oh, from yeah. Especially the opening scene with yeah. Big Bertha. That must mm -hmm. have been torturous. Yeah, and sun's moving at all times. I shot, when I shot my stuff, I'll be shooting some, a scene at 10.15, do two takes, take a five minute break, it's 10.35, I go to do the same scene over again, and I have to relight everything. Right. I did rechange all the different white yeah. balance and stuff in the camera, bring down the iris, all that stuff. So pulling all this off was just amazing, and the Warsaw Ghetto lookalike looks didn't even look like it was like a set. It looked real building, and they had the right amount of shadow coming off the right stuff instead of this big blocky shadow covering half of it because the right, sun. Right, and then you lose all the production design on the front of all your buildings, and, and yeah. or you lose your costuming because you know somebody's glared out or something. Yeah, you got someone overexposed in the background. There was a lot of there was not a lot of exposure problems. There's a few, but that's to be expected. Well, even right. like in the scene where his wife and his the female co-star in the movie who happened to also be his wife mm -hmm. the scene where she cracks him in the head with the uh, frying pan oh so god that's the part i'm yeah. talking about that i love that scene. oh yeah that would have been one of the hardest scenes to shoot with their natural sunlight like that because depending upon where the sun was what time it was and the angle she came out of you can cast different shadow each time well what i'm really stepping up they kept the camera on him the whole time i they mean really that was kind of a very modern day kind of Thing, you know when he's moving. It was a one take. take. Yeah. Yeah. It was a very and one take. One take was real is really hard to do even today. Yeah. Uh, I mean to full focus and to make sure that that you're following him at the right speed. Yeah. So that it's not yeah. And that other the other artists uh, that he, that are in here they don't get distracted or they're yeah. not they're, they're where they need to be they're on their marks. So well, I mean, back then our frame rate sorry to interrupt but oh, the no, frame no. rate was shot we weren't shooting 24 frames per second back then we were no. shooting 18 frames per second. So even keep up to maintain, like you said, pull focus, maintain speed. Mm -hmm. That was really interesting to see in a one shot, which really isn't done back then. And we got to see what was really awesome is uh, Sydney Chaplin um, had some behind the scenes footage mm -hmm. that actually got was in color. It was it was soundless. It had no sound, but we got mm -hmm. to see it in color, and we got to see them go through that one take, but from the back of the set. Oh wow! And just the way they all were queued up and everything, everybody was on their spot. And it was, it was great to see it in color, though, but it would it needed to be in black and white. Exactly. If that was in color, it wouldn't have worked out as well. Yeah, I think if it was in color, it this sounds kind of odd, especially being a Charlie Chaplin movie. Everybody expects comedy, but I feel like it would have given it too much of a real feeling. Yeah, yeah. And also, when it came in, when, when you got to see the behind the scenes in color, everything popped a right, little bit yeah. too much. You didn't mm -hmm. get the feel of... There are very sad parts in the movie, and there mm -hmm. are like up and downs with the emotions, and I just feel like the color and the part and the barber chairs and Mussolini. Well, the yeah, yeah. I, just think, I think the color would have ruined it. Yeah, would have ruined yeah. the mood for Ted it. Ted Turner, keep your fucking hands off this movie. Do not colorize this movie. You can't technicolor bullshit. Um, or make it 3D. But you know the ups, the ups and downs are the mark of a real good movie. Oh yeah. 
you know, it's a roller coaster, and that's what movies are supposed to do. They're supposed to take you on a journey. They're mm -hmm. supposed to be a ride. But one of the yeah. scenes that she wanted to talk about when we when we ended the movie, and it was something that she would mm -hmm. we talked about for like twenty minutes after the thing was the was all the stuff with Mussolini. Oh um, yeah, I. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, the, the the whole interaction with Mussolini, I just I, I loved every moment oh. of it. The the casting director did an amazing job with the likeness of I can't remember the gentleman's name. I'm so I'll look terrible it up right with now. names. Um, Love you, IMDb. I know. Right? I he it was just it was great. And then as simple as the food fight scene was perfect. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, what was great too is a lot of that stuff, like we mentioned with the the running and getting hit with the pan. A lot of that stuff was one take stuff. Now, I don't know if you guys caught this, and this is just me kind of vamping until Josh finds that name. Yeah, go ahead. Um, during the globe dancing scene, mm -hmm. did you guys see them shoot part of it backwards? No, I did not. Okay, there so a there, yeah, there's a portion right. shot backwards, and you have to, you, it's really, it's, it looks very seamless, but obviously being film trained, I caught it, caught it. The well, scene where yeah. he launches the ball up and then rises to the desk. He doesn't jump. He just... So what they did was they shot it backwards. They had him catch the ball and then drop off the desk. That yeah. makes sense. It, oh, was okay. it was such a seamless cut. The guy that played oh, the Mussolini. Mussolini character was Jack Oakey. He oh, played okay. Jack Napoleon, Napoleonic dictator of bacteria. Bacteria. It sounds like mom and dad saved the world. Yeah, yeah exactly. all those names sound like that. Mom and dad saved the world. Todd Spango. Yeah. I think overall my favorite, like overall the reason that I liked the movie was. Uh, Charlie Chaplin seems like he doesn't do things without a purpose. Yeah, you know, exactly. he, he had a very um, strong vision of what he wanted the movie to accomplish and how he wanted people to to take it. And it was almost like even all the little gags and everything were almost mm -hmm. to just remind people how ridiculous Hitler actually was exactly. with his thought process mm -hmm. and how serious he took himself. And well, There were certain points when he was making the movie where the news of how how just atrocious everything was going over there, how many people were actually dying and everything, that Charlie Chaplin was contemplating not finishing and not releasing yeah, the movie. Why, yeah, why glorify anything but, more? Yeah, right, yeah. a part of the documentary actually mentioned the, that the President of the United States at the time got word to him, to Chaplin about the movie, saying, you need to do this. You have yeah. to finish it. We, to paraphrase and add words to the president's mouth, you've got to basically tell Hitler to go fuck himself. It's ironic that this president helped get that film out, and the next president fucked him over and got him on the blacklist. Yeah. Oh, and God, then yeah. too was the fact in the documentary that they mentioned that, um, I almost said Hitler, Charlie Chaplin raised <laughs> morale so much amongst the troops. Yeah. You know, that, that him doing this and him getting the country behind them even more so through the movie you know, helped them go, okay, then, you know, we are fighting for a cause. We are fighting for something that actually affects everybody. Yeah. Well, a lot of strength does lie in our humor. Oh, yeah. Right. It really does. Well, that's one of them. That's, I mean, this is going to be my kind of final say with this. Go ahead. Um, I, the thing I love about Charlie Chaplin is your movie doesn't have to be dramatic to give a message. No. Um, I'm a huge proponent of getting your message across through comedy or through mm. horror. Um, those are the genres I work in. My, my thesis film that came out. Um, where I got shot in the face. Where Josh got shot in the face with a shotgun. Um, my film Prop Z was it, there is a huge political message behind it and it had a lot of different influences behind it, but it's all horror comedy. I mean, you've got, we got talking, we got zombie boobs, we've got, <laughs> we've got, we've got um, 
scissoring lesbians, and then we have a whole entire. We don't see scissoring. There are no actual scissoring lesbians. No, it's insinuated. But you got that creamy undertone. You got that nice little, yeah, yeah, that nice little decay undertone. A little pull, a little decay. There we go. Same time we have. I don't know if I'm gonna cash in that lawn mowing. You also have this. You also have this blatant disregard for human rights, even though they're unhuman, it's still a human right, which right. I wanted to get across. And I did it through comedy and horror, not some, you know, crying children or on the street. Preachy. Or very preachy, yeah, like Michael Sp Moore. Or Spielberg. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the girls in red! You know? <laughs> so, no, I just, I love, at you. So, I love that he got it all through comedy, because there's other ways to preach other than on a soapbox. And it was a very yeah. brave thing for him to and that's yeah. exactly it. Is um, it true that he wanted to have a premiere in Berlin? Yeah, he wanted it to premiere in Berlin mid-World War II because wow. at the time he knew that Hitler was a movie buff. That is brave. During the time he would yeah. keep, Hitler would keep the movies he liked in Germany or wherever the hell he was at mm -hmm. and banned everything else. He was the Kim Jong-il of that generation. Yeah. Right. I'm and, sorry. And, <laughs> and Chaplin. Yeah. Wanted him there yeah. for the premiere, practically. Yeah. Almost a Kevin Smith and Westboro Baptist Church yeah. style. Mm -hmm. But, of course, no one agreed to let Chaplin do that because it's fucking psychotic. Well, it's <laughs> yeah. they brought up in the documentary, and I don't I don't think this is true, just because of the way egotistical that Hitler was and so I knew himself. They're saying that Hitler watched the movie, which I can agree he watched the movie. But there's chance, the chances are he watched it. But they're saying he probably laughed at it and laughed at himself and about it. I don't think that's true. I'm sure he was pissed off. Uh, oh, no. no. You know what? Oh. The way that Hitler was and everything, how delusional that jackass was. I thought it was a he probably didn't. Even, he probably thought either one, it was an homage to him, or two, he didn't even realize that like, Charlie Chaplin was making fun of him. Making fun of him. Well, you know the thing they say: um, the greatest form of flattery is imitation. He probably thought that. Yeah. Yeah. So. But and also, too, that was a good imitation. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess this will be my final part to it. Mm -hmm. Right now, in the way the filmmaking is done, there's yeah. no filmmaker that could ever really get the balls to do what Charlie Chaplin did with this movie. And that's kind of the reason it stands to me as my favorite movie. Yeah. It was way before its time. There's no way it would, that movie would survive in the Hollywood system today. There's too much red tape. Yeah. It would never see the light of day. I mean, even if you went guerrilla style and got no permits and got no funding, you self-financed for yourself, eventually some union somewhere would find her, something would happen and you'd be blackballed. Well, I couldn't even, yeah, I couldn't see anybody marketing it. I couldn't see any theaters putting it in theaters. I couldn't see, you know, even um, a distribution center putting that out and putting their name on it. The old, sorry, go ahead. No, I, I, I was, this is going to be odd. Well, I was listening to Rush Limbaugh talk about the president the other day. And, and this kind of it kind of goes hand in hand in the fact that the world was different back then. Mm -hmm. We had patriotism. We had, exactly. you know, if somebody spoke about the president the way that the, the Limbaugh does, they would, you know, he would be blacklisted. Yes. It wasn't acceptable. And Charlie Chaplin doing what he did, you know, back then it was acceptable. Now. Nobody would be behind you the way no. that people were behind him well, to do this movie. That's the reason like good satire is honestly dead. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. 
They sucked out all the intelligence of the sad. There's thing. only one way that you could ever make a movie against something like a higher evil power and get it out there, and that would be through self-funding, through internet funding, where we put out a put out a PayPal account, or whatever, and say this is what we want to do. Kickstarter yeah. and say we want to go after this tyrant. So yeah. that, that's the only way. That's the only way you could be able to do it is by getting it financed through people and through self-distribution. But other than that, I agree with you, Josh. We are never going to see another thing like Great Dictator for at least our lifetime. Or just put it simple: we're never really going to see another human being talent as Charlie Chaplin. Yeah, there is only one Chaplin. There have been many great imitators, but there's only one Chaplin. Although he did get third place in the Charlie Chaplin lookalike. So the first place guy could take his spot. (laughs) Yeah. Robert Downey just sucked. <laughs> so with the review of Great Dictator and just the discussion out of the way now, there's been something I've been dying to do since the last episode. Doug was here. Oh, and, what? What? Tell and, me. And we had the little end game with uh, the voicemail message oh, that we leave on the Westboro Baptist <laughs> yeah. Church. Oh, oh I so wish we could just do that you for real. You have a very oh. sick obsession with that. I know. They're crazy fuckers. <laughs> I just wish. I just wish we had the ability to do that for real. Oh, your wish is granted. Oh, Are you fucking serious? Are you serious you're going to do that? They have a voicemail. Oh, Are they it. fucking stupid? <laughs> Wait until you tell you the voicemail. Oh, God. Okay. Basically, it's one of those automated deals where you press one for blah, 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 two for blah, blah, blah. Right, yeah. yeah. Number one is if you're a member of the press and you want to do an interview with them. <laughs> that's where you leave your message. Uh, and, right. But just basically all that in general. If you press a, if you press an invalid entry, will it tell you you press an invalid entry and now you're going to hell? <laughs> so actually, if you notice, they don't call them other religions; they call them systems. Yes, systems. So with that being said, let me give everybody the fun reminder of their number. Their phone number is seven eight five two seven three zero three two five. And since Doug is here and everything, and we now have a voicemail to call him on. <laughs> Let's leave him one. We got some empathy to give. Yes. <laughs> and now it's time for a little nowhere theater. Here we go. <laughs> so, styling, styling. Okay. Pressing one and going to start recording now. Hi, uh, Fred Phelps. Uh, I'm calling in regards to your website. By the way, this is God. Um, I'm calling in regards to your website, and you're probably wondering, why is God using the I want to get an interview with you guys option? Well, I am a member of the media, and I I do have my own publication. It only had one issue because that first issue was so kick-ass. You know it as the Bible. So um, I'm calling in regards to wanting to interview you guys, and about your website. Hey, boss, boss. Oh, hold, hold, hold hold on, Phelps. Yep. I got Lucifer on the line. He says he's got some people in his line who are claiming that you can vouch for him. There's some from some place called the uh, the West Westboro some something <laughs> the Westboro Baptist something. You you know about those guys? I'm talking to you on the phone right now. Oh, okay. You don't shut me away. Should I should I let him in or, or what, what the fuck should I do? Yeah, tell him where to he knows where to put him. Okay, okay. Go ahead and buy him. Anyways, about the side the God hates fags thing. Where do you get off? The, the gays, the fags, they're good people. They make good music. They're good cooks. They're nice people. So why bash on them? And from the looks of your website, you hate a lot of people. So 
Why associate me with that? I don't want to be a part of this. You've talked to my lawyer, Mr. Epstein, and you haven't gotten back to him on this yet, so that's why I'm calling you. Boss. Boss, I got another one. Ah, oh, crap. I'm sorry. Sorry, boss. Hold on, Dobbs. You got a nice long voicemail. So, okay, apparently he's got some people in his line that he wants to burn, but he wanted to throw it through us first because apparently we're okay with him. He wants to burn these this group of people called the Fags. But they're all nice people. Like I, they didn't do anything like remotely wrong to our book. But he wants to burn them. What should I do about that? Get him online. Get him up here. Tell him the elevator. Okay. Tell him that fourteen. Say the level fourteen, boys. Okay, back to. Oh, yes, sir. Constant interruptions. Come on, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, sir. But I got uh, Julia Roberts on line one. She's wondering what you've done with her career. Tell her call Jersey. All right, I'll get on, sir. So, you know what? I've taken up enough of your time. Give me a call back. I'll give you the number. And oh, boss. Sorry. I know you're mad. I got, I'm sorry. I'm trying to talk to Fred Phelps here. I got Mel Gibson on the line. Yeah. He's looking for forgiveness for that third little strike he did to his wife. What do you want me to tell him? Passion of the Christ 2 might be a possibility. Uh, you know what? I was a really big fan of the Passion of the Christ. Tell him to get Danny Glover, get to Lethal Weapon 5, and then maybe we might be even. Call the Goldstein guy. Thomas said no girl, no fly in the passion too. Tell him Lethal Weapon 5, though. Oh, Lethal Weapon 5. And bring back Chris Rock. Braveheart 2. Except Chris Rock. Uh, sir, sir, I've got that. Uh, good help. What the hell? I'm sorry, I got Glover. I got Danny Glover on uh, line 3 saying he's too old for this shit. <laughs> well, tell him, pray on it. We'll get back to him on it. He'll be fine. Consider it done. Thank you. Before I get interrupted again, I'll end it here. The guy hates fags thing? It's not true. Go fuck yourself. And we're clear. If I sound fruit, the members of the Westboro Baptist Church happen to be listening to this, you brought it upon yourselves. <laughs> well, that's another great episode in the bag. Uh, we've got to give the thanks again to, well, I'm going to thank Monique since... Dumbass is asleep. What? Well, I'm sorry, Westboro Baptist kind of put me to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. Anyways, thank you again for coming. You're welcome. Thank you, Monique. <laughs> Dirty minded girl. All over the place. Well, that's why they're here. Yeah. You've been perfectly here. Phil has a motor long and Shane coming yeah. anytime soon. Yeah. Yep, exactly. I told you I'm not cashing that in. <laughs> so, there's only one way we can end these, and that is. And that is with the end game. In the name of the end game, Josh. We're going to call back and use the ABCs of the movies. All right. And since Phil seems to kick my ass every time we play this, he goes first. All right. We'll go. Fill the Doug Monique and the Meat. Okay, does that work? Okay, I'll start off. Animal House. Battleship. Casino. Dick Tracy. Ernest Goes to Jail. Fantasia. Hmm. Godzilla? El Dago. Indiana Jones. And the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. James and the Giant Peach. California. Mm-hmm. El uh, Loser. My Cousin Vinny. Never Say Never, the Justin Bieber documentary. Jesus. Hey, it was in theaters. <laughs> God. Uh, once Upon a Time in Mexico. Pleasantville. You should be, for a heterosexual man, you should be ashamed. Oh, uh, hey, he has no effect on my life. Gotcha. Uh, uh, quick in the Dead. <laughs> Rockstar. Everyone S? Yep. Superstar. Uh, T. 
Thumbelina. Unforgiven. V for Vendetta. Um, Wally. <laughs> X. The Malcolm X movie. Oh, It's technically an amnia, dick. Malcolm X. No, it's called X. It's called X. Are you sure? Yes. All right. I can draw you the cover. X. All right, I'll give you that. There's no M? No. All right. It's not called Malcolm X. It's called X. Okay. Why? All right. All right, you've got mail, bitch. Z1. Z1. Zathura. Bam. There you go. Oh, we got somebody who's totally stumped. Apollo 13. Back to the future with part three. Cat in the Hat. Deadly Do-Right. Aragon. Aaron Loving the Las Vegas. Ghostbusters. <laughs> Yay! Good <laughs> for you. The Doggo. Ice Age. <laughs> Jump Jack Flash. Um, killing Mr. Griffin. These are movies I've never heard of. Liar, liar. Most of them are. Um, Million Dollar Baby. Notting Hill. Oh, brother, where art thou? Can I use porn for Pete? Yes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, if you know a porn title, you can use it, but you can't use just so, porn. Yes. That, let's see, ears 1 to 27? I don't know. <laughs> that's yeah. not real. That is not real. <laughs> you want to call it? How do you know? I'm sorry. Uh, Peter Pan. Reservoir Dogs. What did you say? Reservoir Dogs. Supergirl. T? <laughs> yeah. T on Foo. Thank you very much, Judy Newmeyer. Exactly. You have to say yeah, that all the time. That makes you gayer than me. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> it had Robin Williams in it. Damn it. Oh, Underworld. Victor Victoria. Okay. W. X. W. Oh, W. I'm on W. Oh, I don't know my fucking alphabet. Uh, where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Oh, I love that. Oh man, I'm on X. Yeah, yeah, there's an X. Is there any more X movies out there? God, I have no idea. Stop being Maybe an ass. I should say Xanadu. <laughs> Spell with an X. That just yeah. So, an X. So the cock that was in his mouth for thanks for everything, Julie Newmar, got shoved up your ass for a second. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. There's, there's plenty of cock to go around, clearly. So Josh and I are the only two people in this room not gay. <laughs> That's, oh, I guess, the implication. So. Oh, I'm on Y? We're yeah. still doing this? No, yeah, yeah. And Dupree. Zoolander. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Applegates. <sighs> Bowling for Columbine. Um, <laughs> Casablanca. Double Dragon. The Executioner. Fuck, I got nothing. Okay, so that's that's <laughs> it for Northern California. Fuck, I got nothing. I love that Fuck, I got nothing. Close it up. <laughs> All right, go ahead, man. All right, so thank you, everybody, for listening to Nowhere, California. Um, I'm Doug. I'm Monique. I'm Josh. Oh, and by the way, Josh, I've got the perfect fucking movie for you to watch. Uh, is this your fucking head revenge? Oh, yeah. I'm going to give you head so bad. <laughs> Okay, so that cock that you gave me from uh, Xanadu, you may now have it back after that line from the head. Oh, good, because I need to give it to him. So this is my place. So this is where it's going to happen? Oh, this is where it's definitely going to happen, baby, like we've been talking about. 
So, do you like have anything you could put on to set the mood? You know, I think I might have something. Have you heard of Nowhere, California? No. Oh, listen to them. They're great. I gotta tell you, man, Lindsay Lohan's ass can take a pounding. I mean, oh, 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 oh. are you oh, fucking yeah. kidding me? What? That is so ridiculous. You are out of your mind. What? Oh, oh, I'm out of here. Oh, if you want to hear more of them, they're at facebook.com slash California. Fuck 